The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. It's Wednesday and so thrilled to be here with you guys. Uh, we've got a big show planned for you today. Two amazing guests that are going to be with us. First of all, Angela Vargo is going to be joining us in a few minutes. She is the Vice President of Marketing, Communication and Product Experience for Breeze Airways. And if you have not heard of them, I'm so excited that you're going to be with us today and to find out why you should hear from them. Because not only are they one of the newest and lowest cost airways, but they have a, an initiative that's about being nice. <laughs> when have we ever heard that? And I'm sorry, it like makes me cough, right? <laughs> Excuse me. And, uh, and that isn't just lip service that in particular, they are trying to make sure that they are nice to individuals who have different sensory needs, including those who are on the autism spectrum. And we're going to be talking with Angela about how they're doing that in just a few minutes. Then a little later on in the show, we've got a wonderful, uh, self-advocate, Nicholas, Mick Mahill is going to be joining us, and uh, we're excited to hear from him and to hear the kinds of things that are on his mind. So all of that in just a few minutes. Before we do that, I want to remind you that we're live right now. That means that we are live on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and about a dozen other sites. Our dear, wonderful uh Producer and technical director Traven is going to be showing you some of the different things that will, the ways that you can connect with us. Sorry, I've got a million things going on in my head at the same time. So uh, he'll show you that on the screen in just a second, ways that you can connect. You can see he started that uh, not only when we're live, but in podcasts, because we are live right now and you can connect on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, and a, a bunch of other ways that you can connect right now in those uh, on on those, I don't know, what do we, what do we call them? Uh, on those platforms, that's the word I'm looking for. On those platforms, you can connect with us just by writing it on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, and it will show up here on my screen in real time. And that way we can be having a conversation with you, and you can have a conversation with our fabulous guests this morning. But we also podcast everything that we do. It's all available to you pretty much anywhere that you can download a podcast for free. We are there. We don't do a charge for our podcasts. We are we're trying very hard to maintain that. We are now starting our 13th year of doing that. So we hope that you will check out our library of videos. Because here at Autism Live, which is now a part of the Autism Network, our goal is to provide information and inspiration. Help us by subscribing to us, by liking what we do, by sharing it, letting other people know. We don't have a mammoth budget at all, um, nor do we have the funds to market the way that we really would love to, uh, the way that some other players have the opportunity to do, but we don't, we don't put our focus there. We count on you guys to let other people know if you find that there is content here that you think is worthwhile. If you found something that was useful to you, do us a favor and share it with at least two other people. And this is how we stay on the air and this is how people find us and know what we're doing. All right. Uh, so all of that being said, also want to let you know, we have a new app. There, there's an app, and um, we had an app for a while, and then I don't know what happened, but we have a new app. It is available in different places, and, and Traven will help us to know where to find that because I have not yet found it. But it's there. I just have been busy. I haven't looked for it. <laughs> but, but it's there, and I think it's really useful, and it's another way that we can be connecting with you on your phones because let's face it. 
all of us are doing more and more on our phones because we can take it with us. It is our traveling screen. So I hope that you guys will check that out. It's a way to be watching the live show. It's a way to be watching pod. Right now it's in the Apple App Store. So if you have an Apple device like I do, then you can go there and you can uh, get that. Did you guys just hear Traven? Was he just in my ear or did you hear? Because it felt like it was in the studio too. Let me know if you heard. It's like the voice of God, isn't it? Uh, Okay, so uh, there we go. All right, Uh, it's Wednesday though, and we had taken some time off because we did the podcast-a-thon and we were re-airing those episodes, which we're still doing. We have not yet aired all of the episodes, re-aired them. Uh, And we've saved some doozies for the end, right? But uh, so we've taken a little time off of our jargon of the day for a couple of weeks, but we're back. We're back strong with jargon of the day. Really excited about that. So uh, let's start out this Wednesday with some lovely jargon to talk about what are we talking about, right? This is where we take one word, one phrase, one acronym. We first give you the actual definition. Occasionally, we will make fun of the actual definition because it's filled with more jargon terms than we know what to do with. Uh, Like, it just makes you want to put your hair on fire if you had any. I currently don't. Um, But, uh, by the way, did you watch? We just re-aired that episode. It's available now in podcast. Or you can go to YouTube and see them shave my head off. Uh, not them, Dr. Grampichet shaved all my, she didn't shave my head off, she shaved my hair off for a very good cause. Okay, so, uh, but why do we do jargon of the day? Because then we give you a working definition that hopefully helps you to be able to access this term and understand why would we even bother with this term? Why is it even a thing? Why do I need to care? Because for me, the bottom question is, the bottom line is, Knowing this term, is it going to save me time and energy and help me get to more progress in my life? By the way, when I talked about the whole purpose of this show is providing information and inspiration, we want that to be for the entire autism community, which of course starts with individuals who are themselves diagnosed on the autism spectrum. They are the beating heart of our community. We don't do a single thing without taking them into consideration, and we want to hear their voices always the loudest, right? We want to be good allies. We want to be good advocates. We want to be supporting those individuals. But we also include in our programming, because we feel that it's an important part of the community, is everyone who loves those individuals, the the parents, the boyfriends, the girlfriends, the siblings, the grandparents, the aunts and uncles, the teachers, the people who are working with those individuals. Because we know that if we are good allies, then it helps the individuals that we love. So that's so when we do these jargon terms, not only are we trying to help the people who are on the spectrum get to better progress, but we're trying to help their support team, the people who love them, to understand what's happening and to be better allies and advocates. So this is a little bit of a controversial term, this stimulus control thing, and I wanted to talk about it today. So our jargon today... Uh, I just, it's on the screen, but I gave it away. Uh, It's stimulus control. And I think that a lot of people hear this and go, "Uh uh-oh, this is that bad crap that we don't want for our kids. Listen, I was in that camp firmly. I was somebody who was like, I don't want my, my child to be treated like a dog or, you know, or to be treated like a robot or anything other than the person, the wonderful person that he is. And the term stimulus control doesn't that sound like the rhesus monkeys that I thought that was terrible when I was learning that in basic psychology, right? The rhesus monkeys that they took their moms away and had like these tubes that had a little bit of fur on them for them to to nurse out. I thought that was terrible. I'm not about that. So you got to know that. But this term, you look at it and you go, oh, that's what we're talking about, right? I, I think we should get this into a little cozier format so that you understand really what we're talking about. If I could, I'd put on my bedroom slippers now. But let's give you the actual definition so we could see why, you know, some people might look at this and go, I don't know about this. So let's take a look at what our actual definition is. Stimulus control is behavior that is emitted more often in the presence of, dis- of the discriminative stimulus than during its absence Um, is said to be under stimulus control. We are quoting Cooper, Heron, and Hayward, their book, Applied Behavior Analysis. By the way, if you didn't hear the other day, I got to meet Hayward. I met Hayward uh, at the the conference that I was at, and I I was telling him what we were doing with this jargon of the day, and he wants to come on and do it with me. He's like, yeah, let's get it done. So we're gonna do that. Uh, Anyway, uh, I can't do anything with this definition. 
I, I, like, I literally, I can't make a potholder with it. It's not going to help me. It's not saving me time or money. I'm sorry. This is like, if I had a little sound effect thing, I would make the Cuisinart sound. Because I can't do, all due respect to Cooper, Heron, and Hayward, but as a parent, I, I don't, behavior that is emitted more often in the presence of the discriminative stimulus than during its absence is under stimulus control. Well, good. So who cares, right? I don't, I don't know what that means, and all I can see is rhesus monkeys, and then I'm not happy. So let's shove this to the side. I want to go to the other side. Shove it, shove it in the ocean. Um, good morning, Liliana. And let's look at what our working definition is and see why this would matter. When something you say or do triggers a regular response from an individual or a group. Okay, well, I don't even know that that's that helpful to me, but this is why we try to give you an example. So if I, if I stand in front of a group of people and I say, let's all rise to do the Pledge of Allegiance. Let's say that I'm a fifth grade principal and I say, let's all rise to say the Pledge of Allegiance. And all of the kids stand up and they say, I pledge allegiance. Well, that's under stimulus control. That means that you understand I give, you know, a statement, let's all stand to do the Pledge of Allegiance and everybody does. Well, that's for each and every individual that stood when I said that, that's under stimulus control. It means that if I say or do something, then there's an expected response. So this is a good thing in its place. There are some things that we would want to be under stimulus control. control. Um, Like if we were all on a battlefield and I said to you, duck, I would want that to be under stimulus control that you would then duck. It's probably, you know, you're, you're a life and death thing for you to be able to duck when somebody says duck, right? Um, so there are times when we all need something to be under stimulus control. I want to point out that stimulus control done correctly is a thing where it's still the choice of the person to do it. We're not taking away their choice in doing it. When I say, please rise and say the Pledge of Allegiance, Nobody's going to get shot if they don't do it, right? And there might be a person in the crowd who's like, I'm in a wheelchair, I'm not standing, right? Um, It doesn't take away somebody's free will, but it is a signal that we're about to do something. If I'm a teacher and I stand in front of the classroom and I say, take out your math books and turn to page 42, and the students all reach and they take their math books out and they turn to page 42, except sometimes kids won't. And they won't for a bunch of different reasons. They may not have heard me. They might be somebody who is on uh, a little bit of a time delay when when something is said that it takes them a little bit longer um, to decode what is being said. That's a very real thing. Used to be a classroom teacher, right? And I can accommodate them um, by because I still want this thing to be under stimulus control, right? But my method of doing it may not be hitting them right. I might have to hold up a picture that's, that's a picture of the math book where I write in with a magic erase page 42 and I hold that up and then the person goes, oh, I know what to do. I'm going to take out the math book and I'm going to turn to page 42. And if when I hold up that thing and it says page 42, They are able to get that information to do what it is we're moving on to. Then now I've got this under stimulus control. This is the stimulus that gets them to do the thing that I need them to do. So where's the problem here? Well, the problem is, is that people go, what if I'm being asked to do something that I don't want to do? I need to point out that stimulus control is not about taking away your free will. It isn't. It's about helping to create signals there are shortcuts to things that we want to do. I don't think there's a single parent on the face of the planet that wouldn't like it if when they say, come here to their child, that their child comes to them. Now, are we saying that that's bad? Saying to your child, come here, are we saying that that's bad? I mean, it could be. It depends on what you're asking them to come for. Here's human behavior, though. If I say to a child, come here, and once they come here, I hit them, Children are going to be less likely to come the next time I say, come here. That's just a fact of human behavior. Now, can people be horrible people 
and threaten the child and say, you're going to get beaten if you don't come here? Yes, there are people who do that. I see people at Target that are parenting their parents, that, their, their children that way. I'm not about that. I'm not about that. I don't agree with that type of parenting, but there are people who do it. But that's, we all understand that's bad parenting, and that is not stimulus control. Threatening someone to get them to do something is not stimulus control. So I want to be clear, stimulus control is when I say or do something and then the behavior is more likely to occur because I said or did that thing. And if I'm doing good ABA, if I'm doing good applied behavior analysis, there is something meaningful and rewarding for the individual in doing it. That's what we know scientifically will actually maintain that behavior, that they will be more likely to do it because there was a reward for them. Autism Journey with Elijah, good morning. So stimulus control is just about having almost a code that I'm going to do or say something and then you are going, you are more likely to do it because I did or said something. Teachers do this all the time. Um, you know, traffic lights are a form of stimulus control, right? Uh, you're more likely to go when the thing says green and more likely to stop when it says when it's a red thing, right? What do we do when it's yellow? Usually we're supposed to slow down, but what most people do, they speed up. Mm, Okay. Right. But that's stimulus control. It control. I think some people hear that and they go, oh, that means you have power over me. And I want to point out that's not what stimulus control is about. Stimulus control is about being able to communicate and be understood what the desired response is. If I change it every time, oh, don't you hate it? Like I've talked about this before. You go to Disneyland and it's so great because usually they have the the traffic cops that are, you know, they're pointing and they're like, go this way. And it's wonderful. And you know where to go because they change the parking configuration every 10 minutes at Disneyland, right? But have we not all had the experience of the traffic cop who's giving signals that we don't, we can't interpret them. We don't know what they are. I fall apart. I go, what? I roll down my window and go, what are you saying? I don't understand what this means. What does that mean? And in reality, that's what a lot of our kids are going through. I don't know what you want. I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. So having some sort of a stimulus, whether it's holding up a card that says we're all going to get in line now because where are we going? We're going to the playground. We all want to go to the playground, but we have to be in line to go to the playground I hold up the playground card and the kids all line up. That's stimulus control. It's not taking away somebody's free will. People still have the choice to not be in line, right? Um, but it's giving the right stimulus that makes it more likely that we will see the behavior happen. It's like a code. I do this, you do that, we're all happy. Woohoo! That's the only way it works is everybody is happy. Hi, Brian. Good morning. Listening. I'm glad you're and uh, I'm glad you're here and I hope you have a good day too. So stimulus control shouldn't be a controversial thing. I know it sounds like something weird, but it's really not. It's just making a code so that we both know what, what the thing is that we're, we're going to do now that hopefully will be something that's meaningful to us in some way. Certainly not painful, right? Um, and if someone doesn't want to do it, they have the ability to not do it. Then it's not under stimulus control. And then if it's something, if it, here's the key. Is the behavior that we're asking somebody to do, is it fair? Is it fair? Is it fair? And sometimes when we say to people, let's all stand to say the Pledge of Allegiance, for some people that's not fair. And we need to keep that in mind, right? Um, but for a lot of people, you know, if they choose to, then they're going to do it. It's about choice. It's not about force. I know the word control implies that it's about controlling, but it's not. Okay. Uh, so hopefully that makes some sense for you guys, but there are some things that we want to have under stimulus control that if we, uh, if we say to our, if, if our child is about to step into traffic and we say, wait or stop, we want that to be under stimulus control. I think we can all agree on that, right? There are some things. Could you use this in, in, improperly? Absolutely, 100%. There are always going to be people who do things that are not thinking about the well-being of the individual that they're teaching. We want to make sure that we don't have ourselves or the people that we love with those people, right? But this should only be to things that are fair and of benefit to the individual. All right. Shall we move on? We, I hope our guest, our first guest is here with us. 
Um, I'm talking about Angela Vargo, and wow, uh, I'm so excited to have her here because she's the Vice President of Marketing, Marketing, Communications, and Product Experience for Breeze Airways. They are the newest and nicest low-fare airline in the U.S., uh, she is responsible, responsible for the brand development, marketing strategy, customer experience, and community engagement. And she is kicking it out of the park here um, because they, we're going to talk about some of the things that they've been doing to make flying on their airway a, a, a kinder, friendlier, nicer experience for individuals who are on the autism spectrum. She is somebody who has uh, two decades of experience building brands commercializing innovative products, and executing high-impact marketing and communication strategies for both Fortune 500 size and smaller, fast-growing companies. My gosh, could we use Angela? But Angela's busy because she's at at Breeze Airways. Um, She began her career. She used to work for Southwest Airlines in uh, 2002, excuse me, where she oversaw development of the industry's first personal device-driven in-flight entertainment platform and introduced TV Flies Free. Thank you, Angela, for making that happen. Um, Giving customers unparalleled access to live streaming sports news and other television content. Don't we like that so much more when we fly now? My goodness, we all owe a debt of gratitude to Angela. Uh, But she's going to be talking with us about Breeze Airways. Is she here with us, Trayvon? Very good. Let's let her in. Angela, hello. Hello. Welcome. I'm so excited to be talking with you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, listen, we're so excited about what you guys are doing all the way around uh, over at Breeze Airways. Uh, because I said, I got choked up earlier. I said, imagine an airline that ha- being nice is part of their agenda it's in this day and age, that's almost it, like it made me go <laughs> like, like, I can't even imagine it. Um, what's behind that? I mean, that's a really great thing. And I love it. It is actually just part of our DNA. I mean, our tagline is seriously nice. And what I love about that is that when you're serious about something, you have, you know, intent to do it. You have earnest intent. It's not something that you're passive about. So when we talk about being seriously nice. We mean it in terms of all aspects of our business model, all aspects of our culture, from no change in cancellation fees up to 15 minutes prior to departure, to free family seating, to participating with Autism Double Check, which is something we're very passionate about. This is just a, you know, this is just part of who Breeze is. And we are only two years old, so we're just getting started, um, growing fast, and it is. It's, it's, um, it seems like it's sad to say that being nice in the industry is something that is um, unusual, but it's something that you know, we feel is important because it has been lost over the years. Well, it seems to be working for you, too. As you said, you, you started in May 2021, and within a year, you were rated the number two U.S. best domestic airline uh, by travel and leisure, and now you're offering uh, almost 150 nonstop routes between 36 cities and 22 states. Yeah. It's pretty amazing for just being two years old. Uh, but we wanted to have you come on to talk about this autism double check program. Talk to us a little bit about that and what you have been doing in particular with your flight attendants, because this is revolutionary. Tell us about it. Sure. I am very passionate about this program. It's one that I first got exposed to when I was the vice president of marketing at um, JSX, which is a semi-private airline that flies um, primarily in Texas, California region, um, but some on the East Coast. And we had um, trained all of our frontline workers um, through Autism Double Check. And so when I joined here at Breeze, this was one of the top things on my list to bring this into this company because We already had individuals um, at all levels who knew of it and were involved with it and passionate about it. And so getting buy-in for us to go this direction was, you know, not at all difficult. So what it means for us, and we're in the very beginning stages of it, so this will continue to grow, is we are allowing all of our flight attendants to train through Autism Double Check. It's an online training for, you know, how to work with and how to you know, identify and otherwise, you know, just assist those families and individuals um, on the spectrum when they're traveling. Because as you know, there is 
a lot of unknowns. And that is just for us in general. And, and you know, traveling is a very stressful thing. There's a lot that comes at you. Um, it is, you know, sensory overload for everyone. And I think that this you know, program is designed specifically to give us the tools to be able to help those families go through the travel experience and really, truly enjoy it and get the opportunity, more importantly, to travel more, to make more memories, to have more experiences. And that really starts with, you know, meeting the families where they are. And that's what this program allows us to do. Amazing. And you, you've been putting your flight attendants uh, through this training and, and you've got almost half of them have already completed this training. What are you hearing from your flight attendants about having this, this training? It's got to make them more confident in what they're doing, dealing with families, does it? The number one thing I hear is how much they learned they didn't know. Um, they, you know they, I think it's eye-opening for them to um, go through the training and to not only learn, you know, skills and tactics, but just to understand um, and to get a broader um, perspective on what it is. And so that, above all, has been one of the most beneficial things. We have flight attendants that, you know, have um, kids and relatives that are on the spectrum, um, and they've been great advocates for us. And we will essentially be, you know, getting through all of our flight attendants. They are, um, we have quite a few that are in the funnel right now that are about to be completed. And then we're opening this up to our pilots as well. Um, and so eventually, you know, everyone in Breeze will have had a chance to go through the training with Autism Double Check. And I love your approach because not only are you training your staff about this, but you're about to have uh, an event that's to help families and individuals on the spectrum to understand what to expect when they're coming to the airport and when they're on a flight. Talk to us a little bit about what you've got coming up. So these are really cool events um, that Autism Double Checked partners um, with airlines to do called mock boarding events. We did these at JSX um, in Burbank and Oakland and a couple of other places. This will be our first one for Breeze and it'll be at Hartford on May 16th. And it allows families to go through the entire airport and onboard experience um, at their own pace and without having to actually go anywhere. So they go through the you know end-to-end experience, including getting on the plane, finding their seats, getting snacks and beverages. We don't actually go anywhere, um, but we do have an opportunity to interact with the families and to tell them you know, welcome aboard, and what questions do you have, and how are you feeling, and it helps, you know, acclimate them to the travel experience so that when they do take that trip, they are, you know, they are already um, in the know, and they are already somewhat comfortable with, you know, what they're going to see and feel and hear in that experience. So the mock boarding event, we put it out there, um, and it, it filled up within seconds. Um, and so we already planning our next one and our next one and our next one. We want to get across our network, um, do as many of these as we possibly can, because we know that the need is there. I think it's amazing. Uh, I'm really proud of you guys for, for taking this initiative. Uh, we already had somebody write in and say, thank God there is someone out there who realizes the concern many parents have with traveling. And thank you, Angela. And uh, You know, I know I hear from parents all the time and they say, we really want to go here, there, wherever, and we feel like we're ready to get there. But the getting is Mm -hmm. often so anxiety provoking for the parent because there's so much unknown. Will we, you know, will we get, and we've seen all the reports on the news, right? The, The attendant the flight attendant who the first time that the child is at all difficult, they're, they're taken off the flight and stranded someplace. You know, there, there is all this concern for parents. So I love being able to say to parents, hey, look, look at Breeze Airways before you look anyplace else because you already know that you've got people who understand what's going on and the staff is trained. I then went to your website to see and I got to be honest with you, Angela, I thought it's going to, it sounds like a premium service. It's going to be a little bit more expensive. And I found quite the opposite, yeah. that your flights are nonstop and incredibly affordable. I don't know how you're doing that. 
So we, uh, you know, it's our, it's our business model. We were, we launched out of a pandemic. Um, so I like to say that we're the only airline that is really structured to survive in a post-pandemic world in this industry. We built this model on affordability and efficiency. So we fly between secondary uh, markets nonstop um, at affordable prices. And we're able to do that because of the type of aircraft that we fly, which is a very beautiful, modern A220 is what takes up the majority of our fleet, um, brand new, um, very quiet, um, and a beautiful aircraft, but it also was very economical. And so all of the factors combined allow us to have fares that start at $39 one way. Um, and again, it is, it's nonstop. And the other you know, aspect to this that I think is important is you know, the, the no change in cancellation fee up to 15 minutes prior to departure, because we understand that there are just too many unknowns. And you know, especially with families that have special needs. And so you need to be able to book that trip um, and to plan for it and understand that if things don't go the way that you want them to, that's okay. We've got you. Um, You can come back and, you know, we'll welcome you on board again and there's no penalty associated. Well, as I said, I love what you guys are doing. Now we know that the, the Hartford mock boarding is already booked up. But as soon as you know when you're going to do it at another event, will you let us know? Because we'll let our audience know. And if for some reason you come back to Burbank or LAX to do it at either, please let us know. We'll come with cameras and cover it if if you want. Um, Obviously, it may not be something you want, but, you know, we'd we'd love to cover it. We would love that. And I think, you know, even being able to cover it that way and give people a sense for what those are so that when they do come and experience it, they can even you know, show their kiddo or be, you know, be prepared. Um, we do fly out of um, LAX and out of Orange County. Um, so those are definitely on the list. So look forward to letting you know when we'll be there. That's great. We are, our studio is like smack dab. We're the equidistance from Burbank and LAX. Uh, we can easily get to either one. It's just like a couple of exits on the freeway. Uh, right. So we're, we're happy to do that. And, you know, we mentioned that you fly to uh a lot of different cities here. Um, what? Give us an idea. So you mentioned for here, you're, it's LAX and Orange County. Talk about some of the other places that you fly to that people might want to schedule because people are planning their summer vacations. Where where can we go? We fly to a lot of wonderful destinations from some really unique and strong origin markets. So think about you know Hartford, for example, and Richmond and Charleston. Um, these are, you know, markets that um, have you know, huge populations of people who have had to connect through huge hubs. And connecting through a hub is, um, it's not fun for anyone. It's really not fun for families with children. And it's really not fun for families with children who have special needs because of that added complexity. Um, so our model is built off of, you know, building out cities like, you know, Richmond or Hartford or Charleston or Tampa um, and connecting the dots all over the network. Um, so we do fly short regional flights. We also fly transcons across the country. Um, and you, you, you stated it perfectly. We have about 150 nonstop routes already, and we're continuing to grow at a very rapid pace. If you go to flybreeze.com and you scroll down, you can see our route map, and you can click on a city, and you can see everywhere that we fly. Um, and you know, we, we would welcome anyone um, that has questions to, to reach out and to, you know, we have people who work from home um, that are there to answer questions and um, they are there over text and over DM. Um, and so they're, they're also very happy to answer questions that you might have. And I got to say, as I was looking at it the other day and I, I, you know, looking at where can I go? Where can I go? And I saw that from LAX, you, you fly into White Plains, New York, which is just just north of New York City for and the the cost of the plane ticket was less than what it would cost me to take an Uber to LAX. It was crazy. <laughs> I was impressed. I was very, very impressed. Um, so I, I encourage people, tell us the website again where they can go to look at where all your where your flights go. It's flybreeze.com. Flybreeze.com, you guys go check it out. Uh, plan plan your vacation around it. And mm-hmm. we're thrilled um, that you are taking our community into consideration. It does make you nice. Well, thank you. And um, you know what? I like to tell everyone that you guys make us nice because um, we, we embrace all, all types of individuals and especially the special community um, and all their super So it makes us even better at what we do. So thank you. 
Well, thank you. And one last question I got to ask, because you've got these beautiful mountains behind you. Where are you? I am sitting in our headquarters. We are headquartered at uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh. I, yeah. I, I knew it had to be like I was thinking Denver or Salt Lake. <laughs> uh, I used to teach in uh, Provo, so it looked familiar to me. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Wonderful. So, well, congratulations. That's a beautiful area of the world. So fabulous. Thanks. So you must fly to Salt Lake City then. We fly to Provo. You, oh, you fly to Provo. Stop. Yeah. Get out of town. All right. <laughs> I have friends I need to come visit. Um, all right. Absolutely. Now I know where I'm going next week. Uh, <laughs> wonderful wonderful fabulous well thank you so much for being with us we appreciate your time and your effort and your being nice oh thank you for having me appreciate it and thanks for your support stay in touch with us okay you will all right uh thank you so much we're going to continue on uh with it we've got another guest who's coming up nicholas mcmahill I got to say that slowly or it sounds like something else, uh, has been asking, has asked us a couple of times if he could be on the show and we were thrilled to invite him to be on the show. Is he already with us, Traven? Yes. Okay. So let's bring in Nicholas. Nicholas, how How are you? I'm good. How about you? You, We finally figured it out. We had to trade how many emails, but we finally figured it out for you to be on the show. Mm -hmm. So Nicholas, I'm happy. Now, Nicholas, tell us a little bit about you and why you wanted to be on and what you want to talk about. So I have not gotten a chance to tell a lot of people my um, autism and ADHD journey because I haven't cleared, I had, had waited a couple of years to create my space to talk about uh, my neurodivergent journey because I felt that I should have a space to talk about it and not just filter it on, because I do have a personal page, but I leave that to my family and everybody else. So I decided to create a, a personal page that's specifically to tell my neurodivergent journey, and um, I just felt it was the right time to create a page that explains my story and have people come along with me on my journey. I think that's so important at you, that we all acknowledge that, you know, sometimes people don't want to have a public platform to talk about themselves and what's going on with them and any potential diagnosis that they have. And we need to respect that. But you've reached mm-hmm. a point where you do want to talk about it. And I respect that as well. So tell us a little bit about you. How old are you, Nicholas? I am 20 years old. 20 years old. And don't tell us exactly where you live, but what part of the world do you live in? So I live in Illinois. Is where I live. Where do you so live? I live in Illinois. Illinois. Wonderful. Uh, fabulous. That's a gr- beautiful part of the country, too. And so at 20, are, what, are, what are you doing right now? Are you working a job? Are you going to school? Are you, what are you doing? I currently volunteer at my local children's museum. Uh, I have done it since I graduated high school back in 2022. And it's been an amazing job that I've gotten to work with kids that, and even kids that are on the spectrum and have disabilities. That sounds like fun. Do you lead tours or what do you do at the Children's Museum? Basically, I'm like somebody that's just basically a floater that helps and cleans the museum. Basically, kind of like a janitor, I guess. Okay. Well, that's awesome. That's very awesome. And it sounds like you enjoy it. Mm Mm-hmm. And is this something that you want to continue doing or is there another dream that you have for what you want to do for work? Well, I do hope at some point to create my own advocacy business. I know, I know, I know that sounds weird, but create a business to where I can advocate for others, but in a business type of platform. Well, I know that's one of the things that you've asked us about mm-hmm. is, you know, in some of the emails that you sent us, you, you expressed that you want to be able to help others on the autism spectrum. And do you know... Do you know how you want to help them? Do you know, like you're saying advocacy, but is there a certain area of advocacy advocacy for employment? Or, um, you know, how, do you, how are you thinking that you would like to help? Just in general, what, like what I mean by that is like people that can't speak that they're nonverbal um, and those that can speak but just feel like they're muted and don't have a voice to talk. Yes. And, and you know... I think we can all agree that those individuals 
could use some more help and that it would be nice if there was some help and support that's coming from another person who identifies as being on mm -hmm. the spectrum. So I think that's a very powerful thing. Tell us a little bit about, if, if it's okay with you, I don't want to push, but you talk about your journey. Um, do you, are you comfortable sharing us with yeah. us what diagnosis you yeah. have and when you got that? So I actually have two diagnoses. I have my autism and my ADHD diagnosis. Um, my ADHD diagnosis was at five years old. Um, my pediatrician um, noticed that I was showing some signs of exhibiting factors of ADHD, which at the time my parents didn't even know it. So once my parents found out from my um, uh, pediatrician, they got right on to getting me diagnosed with that. Then my ADHD diagnosis, um, or not my ADHD, my autism. Um, my one of my teachers um, from a high school actually noticed it and recommended that I get tested from our local Easter cells here in Illinois to see if I actually started exhibiting signs of autism. Which then, at age sixteen, I was officially diagnosed with autism. Okay, and so it's interesting because we're finding that there's a lot of people that are getting that diagnosis at 14, 15, and 16. And we get a lot of mail from people that are that age and that are getting the diagnosis because it, it's, I'm going to say this, it seems like it's extra difficult at that age because I have young people writing to me on a daily basis and saying, well, I, I missed out on all of the early support. I just didn't get that at all. And it seems like there isn't a great deal for me at this age to help me, I, but I just feel different and I'm not really sure mm -hmm. what to do with that. What would you, did you go through that when you got diagnosed and, and what advice would you give for young people who are feeling that way, Nicholas? Um, to me personally, it was kind of a struggle at first, but once I knew that I was diagnosed with autism, it really wasn't that hard. But for those who are trying to get the diagnosis now, um, or getting to that point where they need the autism diagnosis, all I can say is, um, be patient. And once you get the autism diagnosis, uh, for me, it wasn't that hard, and I finally understood. It might take you a little bit of time, but just go with the flow. Yeah, I love that our uh, autism journey with Elijah has said, Nicholas, this is awesome um, that you want to want to help um, individuals on the spectrum. So, so now you've created a page, correct? Mm-hmm. What is the page, and how can we get there? It's called Nicholas's Neurodivergent Journey. And it's on Facebook. Okay. And what kinds of things will people find there? Self-advocacy. Basically, I have my own way of getting to know my followers and supporters um, by asking just some general questions. Basically, that's how um, my page has grown so much lately. It's because I've done my own type of content in a way that nobody else has. Yeah. And that's so key and important. And so, Nicholas, at this age, and you got, you got a, you know, 20 is great, right? Uh, you got a lot of years to figure a lot of things out and decide what you want to do. But it, it, I would think that a lot of us look at you and we're like, Nicholas, you're doing so well. Um, you know, obviously you're working a job and you have this dream of something that you want to do to help. That's amazing. There are a lot of 20 year olds who don't have that together, but we look at you and, and sometimes this is not good that we look at you and go, look at Nicholas. Nicholas is doing so good. Are there things, Nicholas, that you need support with right now that maybe we wouldn't see just by looking at you? I mean, right now, really... I'm just struggling to get my story out elsewhere, other than this platform that I'm talking to you on now. Like, my goal is to spread my story to other places, even podcasts like this, to tell them how I've gone through and what I've gone through living with them. That's my struggle right now, pretty much. Well, I just don't think you're going to have a problem with that, Nicholas, because you have mm -hmm. uh, something that a lot of people don't have, and that's persistence. That... 
you know, I've been very hard to get a hold of lately because of the podcast-a-thon, and you did not give up on me. You were persistent. As our friend Nancy says, you were a dog on a pork chop. And I even was on uh, Autism Journey with Elijah's podcast, and you came on to that mm -hmm. podcast. Also, you saw that I was going to be there. You, you came on to their live Facebook and said, I want to be on your show. I, it's that level of persistence, Nicholas, that gets a lot of things done in life. So I think you're going to be just fine. I think. Well, I actually, I actually like to ask you something here on the air. What's Since that? I've been on your show. I'd actually like you to be on my show. Oh, I would point. love to. I would mm -hmm. love to. You can count on it. You, we just have to figure out when, and I would love to do that. Um, <clears throat> our uh, Autism Journey with Elijah says, one thing about Nicholas that he's so young, taking initiative at an early age. I'm older, and I can feel confident and secure that Nicholas is there. Isn't that amazing? See, you're already giving us all hope. So, Nicholas, what's, what's the big dream? Like, if you could dream, like, what would be the biggest thing ever? What do you hope to accomplish, or what do you ho hope to do? What's the big dream? I just want to get my story out to a lot of people is my goal, and just let them know that at the age of 20, it, it will be a struggle. Those that get it, they're not autism diagnosis at age 16. I don't want them to have to worry. Like, here at my age 20 right now, I was struggling once I hit that age of 16 knowing that I had autism. But did that stop me? No, it didn't. It, it made me go on farther and farther. And I've accomplished so much from now and being involved in my community, even with autism. That's a fun thing, too, that I didn't know that, that I could even do until now. And I've, I've accomplished so many things that I just want people to hear and be able to see that I, I haven't been stopped with my autism at age. Yeah, I've kept it going. And so you've got the page now, and are you, so do I understand correct? You are you've already started a podcast as well. Talk to us about mm -hmm. that. So I actually have a podcast called, and I know it's a very long name. <laughs> uh, tell me again what it's called. You're just a little bit muffled in my ear. Tell me again. It's called the Neurodivergent Nation. Neurodivergent Nation. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. And so, uh, how long have you been doing it? I have been doing it for, well, I just started it last month, um, April, last, uh, it, it would have been right before we just turned into May, so it would have been last week when I started it, and I had somebody on from my local Special Olympic uh, um, region, her name's Kathy Bitar, she, uh, where she basically helps you with an intellectual disability. And we talked about a lot of things regarding autism also and what it meant to her with having her brother uh, be in the special Olympics also because they helped with autism also. Amazing. Amazing. So this is sort of brand new then, this mm -hmm. podcast. Well, that's wonderful. Well, I would be excited to be a guest on it. Absolutely. We just have to work out when. And is this an audio podcast or are you doing also video? Also video. Kind of like what you're doing right now. That's well, I love that. I also want to talk to you, Nicholas. We have this program called Stories from the Spectrum. Have you seen it at all? Yes, I have. So if you can do video, I'd love to talk to you about you doing something for that show. Sure, I wouldn't mind doing it. Okay, well, let's, we'll have a conversation about that off the air. So you and I will right. we'll talk about that. Um, and is there anything else that you wanted to talk about today, Nicholas? We well, um, I was going to say I wanted to touch briefly on advocacy because I see that not many people know what advocacy is. So if we wanted to, I guess, I put yes. it together for those newly parents that... Um, then I don't know about advocacy. Could we maybe explain it to them? Yes. The yes, you go right ahead. Um, advocacy, guys, um, for those parents or even the kids on the spectrum, advocacy is a thing I don't know if many people have heard of it. It's basically where you take initiative and help others that don't have a voice or that are muted. To me, I've had to look up to other pages because there's some areas that I've been muted in. 
But I, I've honestly accomplished growing out of that and been able to do that. But my advice to you guys is to look up to other pages. And if you're feeling stimulated, look at those pages and how they've accomplished and grow from that. Amazing. And so who do you look up to, Nicholas? Um, I look up to Finding Cooper's Voice and um, JJ's Journey Seniors and Beyond because those are some amazing pages that uh, I've looked up to because I've been recommended to check them out and they have some very awesome content. Amazing. I, have you ever looked at uh, Carrie, Dr. Carrie Magro? No, I have not. So oh, yes. Yes, I have, actually. He's done some stories from the spectrum for us, too. And I mm -hmm. think uh, he, you know, because he's uh, somebody who has been working really hard. I remember talking to him when he was about your age. And he was uh, saying exactly what you were saying. And he was saying, you know, I want to be somebody who is an advocate. And I've watched him over the last 10 years grow uh, into somebody who is a internationally renowned speaker and advocate and gets hired as a consultant on films and I've, I've watched him do that um because and that's like, eventually my goal yeah and that's eventually my goal to be a, a keynote at some point eventually. well i definitely would take a look at dr magro because um he's he's gone the path that you want to go recently and uh, i'm sure that uh it, you could learn something about how he did it, which is not necessarily how you'll do it, but um, he is uh, somebody who's getting that done. So, not that you're not. You're already well on your way. No, but, I know. And, uh, well, I'm also, um, I haven't told this to many people, but I just scheduled to go into a classroom to actually talk about my journey here at our local school district, which is a, a great accomplishment that I've wanted to do for about a couple of years. Once I graduated from high school, but I wanted to go back and look at Amazing. They're struggling like me. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, you're on quite a journey and, and you're well on your way, Nicholas, and I'm glad that we could be a part of it. Because just like Dr. Magro, I want to be able to go back in 10 years and go, look, this is when we had Nicholas on when he was just getting started. He had just started his podcast and look what he's doing now. Uh, you know, maybe you'll have like your own television show. Uh, that you'll be doing in 10 years. We'll, we'll look forward to seeing what does happen on your journey. So tell us again mm -hmm. what the name of the page is and where to find the podcast. Um, so the name of my page is Nicholas Neurodivergent Journey on Facebook, and the podcast, again, is Nicholas, or the Neurodivergent Nation. The Neurodivergent on Nation. Spotify. And where on is that? It's on Spotify. The Neurodivergent yes. Nation. Okay, on on Spotify. Wonderful, Nicholas. Mm -hmm. I I think you're doing an amazing job. Any last thoughts before we sign off? Um, all I've got to say is for those kids that are struggling and have not gotten a chance to get the diagnosis, don't don't uh, be hindered. Just get the diagnosis. I mean, it's not that hard. I mean. For those here in the States, it's not that hard to get it. You just need to take the steps that you need to take. And the struggle to flow is all I'm going to say before we sign off. Okay. I, now, now I thought of like three more questions I wanted to ask you. First of all, what, what, out of everything that was helpful to you, what do you think the number one thing was that was helpful to you? Noticing that a teacher noticed the assignment of autism before I would have been struggling. That's great for teachers to hear, um, that that led to support for you. And uh, what's, what's the thing that in your free time, when you are, you know, taking time off, what's the thing that you enjoy doing more than anything else? Trying to get out in the community as much as I can and get my name heard out there. And, and that's wonderful. That's a work thing. That's a career goal. Mm -hmm. But when you're just having free time. When you're just, you know, hanging out and having downtime, leisure time, what do you like to do? Do you play video games? Do you play an instrument? Do you hang out? Do you go swimming? What do you do? Um, I actually watch streamers on a platform called Twitch when I'm not doing anything because that platform opens up to so many opportunities. 
bit easier to watch so many streamers in different many categories, but that's where I go in my downtime. Okay. Very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, well, I so enjoyed talking to you, Nicholas. I'm so glad that we found the time and got you on the show, and I look forward to seeing what I'm you do. I'm happy that we got to talk, too. I actually have been excited for this. Me, too. And, and then we'll talk about you being on Stories from the Spectrum, creating your own video for mm -hmm. that, and, uh, and you'll let me know when I can do your podcast, okay? All right. Deal? Great, yep. great talking with you. You take care. You, too. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, we're here at the end of the program, at the end of the hour. Man, that flew by, huh? Uh, just want to also thank Nicholas and Angela for being here. I hope that you guys are checking out uh, that Breeze Airways. Woo! I know somebody did it and said, I'm impressed. Wow. Uh, really wonderful. And also check out Nicholas's page and his podcast. I want to say, too, that uh, I, I had said to you that I thought that there was a good chance that we were going to have Dr. Grampiche live yesterday, and that did not work out. My apologies, my extreme, extreme apologies. Um, and tomorrow, in fact, we were talking about Dr. Mary, uh, Dr. Carrie Magro. Tomorrow, we are going to be re-airing one of his podcast-a-thon hours that he did for us for Stories from the Spectrum. That will be tomorrow. And then on Friday, we are finally going to re-air. We did a Let's Talk Movies during the Autism Podcast-a-thon where Moira Giamatteo and I talked about how autism has been portrayed in the movies and, and how really kind of how that impacted. It was late at night on the second day, so I'm not sure how intelligent I was. If you want to see Tired Shannon, definitely tune into that on Friday. Moira was fresh as a daisy, so she was making some sense. I'm not sure how much sense I was making. But I think my thesis was that how autism was portrayed in the movies affected our everyday society and that it got to a point where then all of a sudden there were a couple of big documentaries that came out that showed autism in a different light that I think blew everything open. And now we haven't seen as much autism in the movies as we have seen on television. It's all over television right now, <coughs> which it should be. If, you know, if 4% of the population is on the autism spectrum, then 4% of the characters that are portrayed on television and films should be on the spectrum, right? It only follows for me. So uh, you want to tune in and watch on Friday as we go through that, uh, the history of autism in movies. And, um, and then next week, I, I think Hope and uh, I think we have Dr. Grampy Shea back live. And we are taking questions. I've been trying to answer questions through email as much as I can. So feel free to send. And I'm so impressed with you guys. I, I know it's IEP season and many of, we tried to give you guys as much help as we could about the IEP stuff. And I am so humbled and gratified by how you guys took that information, fit it to your circumstances and your kids went in and fought for your kids. And I'm hearing back from you because I said to all of you, let me know, how did it go? What'd you get? What'd you do? You know, and I'm hearing from so many families that are writing back and saying that they made great headway in their IEPs. It just takes my breath away. I'm so excited that we can be of any use to anybody on any day and especially to help you with those IEPs because, man, the law is on your side. And if you are forewarned about what your rights are and can go in and advocate for your kiddos, you get more out of your IEP and then you get more out of the educational experience. So, for those of you who've been writing in and telling me about what's going on, thank you, because it just, it fills me up. It makes me want to come back in and do more shows. It really, it makes me feel like we're, we're doing something that's helpful, which is all I ever want to be, right? It's helpful on your journey. So you guys are doing a great job. So I'm so excited that we got to talk with these wonderful guests today. We've got some amazing shows coming up for you in the month of May. I'm really excited about the, the guests that we've been booking really high quality. So uh, we'll talk to you on, uh, we'll be here tomorrow and Friday, but then our next live show is on Monday. It's a parent to parent talk. Uh, thank you, Nicholas. You're doing amazing work too. 
And uh, we'll be back live on Monday, but great shows tomorrow and Friday. Don't miss them. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. If you found anything helpful in this video, please give us a like. In fact, make sure that you smash that subscribe button on YouTube and give us a like on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram for important updates. And please download our free podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. See you next time. goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.